All right, here we go. It's Tuesday. You can guess who we're going to talk about off the top. Somebody should sign that guy. Yeah, he's Listen good. To all those touchdowns. He's good. 63 54, yards. 45, breaks free, lifting the ball over the uh, goal line before fumbling it, knows what he's doing there. Yeah. He's no Samir White. I don't know if he's any. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, anyone in the draft. Um, no, he's he's good, but uh, we're gonna have to see what he does uh, coming up here. Here we go. The first bite. Will Josh Jacobs be a Raider in twenty twenty four? I think so. Yes, because I think Antonio Pierce thinks this guy is the biggest Raider they've got, and he's gonna do everything he can. They're not going to franchise tag him, but I, he's going to do everything they can to maybe sign him to a deal if Josh Jacobs would even take a friendly deal for the for the organization. That's the other thing. Would he even take one? So Adam Schefter reported yesterday they're not going to use the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. Why would the Raiders already rule that out? They have until March 5th to franchise tag a player. Why would they already rule that out? Their new GM. <laughs> um. To me, the only reason you rule that out is because you already know or have a good idea that you're either going to re-sign them or you're letting them walk. Right. And you've already made that decision and you're good to go. I think he's hitting free agency. Um, Well, I think he wouldn't, given how he acted last year when they tagged him and what he thought he was worth. I don't know if he'd take a team-friendly deal, so he probably would hit for any free agency, which they would try to sign him to, I'm sure, if he would take it. But What's team-friendly in your mind? Uh, two to three years more than the franchise tag, but uh, maybe oh, three years. Oh, he won't years. get that. That's what I'm, that, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he will. No, I, he won't get more than the franchise tag per year? No, no. Oh, in no. total. In total. Oh, okay. No, 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 he's not going to get no, he's not going to get more than a franchise tag or they would just give him the tag and play yeah. him for a year. So, Pro Football Focus gives projections for each free agent and for Jacobs their projection is 3 years, 34.5 million, which comes out to a, lo- a little over 11 million right. per season and 21 and a half of that guaranteed is their projection. So, basically a 2-year deal worth about 11 million per season is what they're projecting. I don't think the Raiders should do that. Uh, the way running backs are today, you're probably right. Yeah. And the way what we saw from Zamir White, yeah. and I think we saw enough of Zamir White that he could be the guy. Yeah, I don't think they should do that. They should go with Zamir White and draft somebody else in the later rounds or pick up an undrafted free agent. There's yeah. guys that are productive There's guys as undrafted out there. free agent, especially if you're asking them to be the number two. I don't think they should give Josh Jacobs $11 million per season. Um, and... The fact that they are, the fact that they're not going to franchise tag him, and that we haven't heard anything about a new contract tells me that they're moving on from him. And I don't think Tom Telesco wants to give Josh Jacobs three years, eleven million per season because he just didn't pay Austin Eckler with the Chargers, and Austin Eckler then had a down season this past year. So Telesco is probably looking at saying, "All right, I just didn't pay Eckler." Then right. he was bad. Why would I pay Jacobs? Because what, what happens if he's bad right. in the following season and you're committed to giving him $11 million over two seasons? I think Jacobs is done. I think this is it. I don't think he's going to play another game for the Raiders the rest of his career. Well, then we know who won the battle because I'm sure Antonio yeah. Pierce wanted him. Which is if the that's true, we right. know who won the battle. That's the interesting part of this is Pierce and Telesco, who actually gets to make these decisions. These decisions, quarterback, in, running back, 
huge decisions. In theory, you would like it to be the general manager. Like that's the whole right. point of the that's, general manager that's job. The, that's his. That's why he's there. Right. But Antonio Pierce got hired first, so right. <laughs> and Antonio right. Pierce is the one that is the. I mean, he, is he the face of the franchise right now, Antonio Pierce? I think he might be cutting, he- cutting like I, heads off snakes. Like I know Crosby exists, and Crosby is no, absolutely think, like best player, right, and everything. But I think Antonio Pierce might be. I think he is too. I just don't think it's Crosby. You think so? Yeah, it's it's got to be. Oh, the more Antonio Pierce speaks, the more I think he's the head of the franchise. <laughs> I I think it looks that way because of the stuff he says. Yeah, it, it's more polarizing. I don't think Crosby saying things as outlandish. Like he's not going to go out and say we need to take the head off the snake. And, and that's why Pierce might be the face right. of the franchise right now because he's willing to say that every week. Wait, he hasn't done a podcast in a while. What's he doing? Yeah, but come on, Pierce, let's get on a podcast. Unless Crosby demands a trade, we know he'll be here in three years. <laughs> Actually, is his contract up after two years? He might not be here in three years. He'll be here. He might not be. They will get rid of. All 52 other men to sign Crosby. Yeah, no, but they they should trade him for a first-round pick. They should. Yeah. But to, they won't. Telesco should walk in and say, all right, this guy, get him out of here. Let's get, that, let's get our quarterback in here. So we'll see what happens with Jacobs, but when I saw that they aren't franchise tagging him and combine it with the fact that we've heard nothing about a new contract, I assume that means the Raiders are willing to move on. Um, but here's the other interesting part. Adam Schefter yesterday reported that Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard, none of them are getting getting a franchise franchise tag. tag. And that Austin Eckler is going to hit free agency. I don't believe he's eligible for a franchise tag, but the Chargers have no plans on bringing him back. So you're about to have a free agent running back class of Henry, Barkley, Pollard, Eckler, and maybe Jacobs. Jacobs. We're talking about five guys that have had – really good seasons or in some cases like Henry incredible careers Careers. already that are hitting free agency is anyone going to pay these guys uh they're running back so possibly not as much as these guys want or expect and like Josh Jacobs last year who was upset at 12 million dollars a year and he got you know a little more at the end um but if they're not franchised, if all these teams aren't franchising tag tag them, I can't believe any of these guys are going to make that much. Yeah. Because last offseason, Jacobs, Pollard, and Barkley all wanted new long-term deals. None of them got it. Didn't get it. Eckler, the Chargers gave him permission to go seek a trade. Go find a team that's going to be willing to give you a long-term deal, and we'll make a trade with you, with them. Couldn't find it. The only running back last year that got anything was Jonathan Taylor, and that took a holdout. Uh, it took Jim Irsay and his took two RV. meetings in the RV. Yeah, like that was the only running back that got the long-term deal. So are we about to have an offseason with one of the best free agent running back classes ever, and, and nobody all, wants and them? And they're all getting like one- or two-year deals. And so if that's the case, Jacobs could actually end up as a Raider on like a one-year $8 million deal. Yeah, I mean, depending on what's out there, he yeah. could go out there. He could think it's, there's a lot more out there and go out there and find out that there's right. not. Like, you could hit free – all of them could hit free agency and just – Find out that there's not much out there. Right. Nobody wants to give any of these guys multi-year deals, and then it's like, okay, what am I playing for this year? I guess I'll go with a one-year deal for $8 million. Now, I would expect 
Jacobs to be, I'm going to say, the second best running back, that, or the second most desirable running back of that group. Because of his age. Yeah, Barkley, I think, will be number one, and then Jacobs, too, because he's younger than Derrick Henry right. and Austin Eckler, and he's done he's more than, than Pollard. Tony Pollard. He's done more than Pollard. So I'm expecting, like, if we were to list who does get a significant deal, Barkley probably is number one and Jacobs is two. But I think there's a real chance we've got some of these guys signing for one year, $8 million or something like that. I also think there's a really good chance one or two of these guys are unsigned when training camp starts. I think there's a really good chance that that they hold out for a two or three year yeah, deal. They're the ones holding out, like Jacobs. Nobody has that offer on the table for them, and so they just don't sign. Right. And, and it's they training camp. Have to, they have to finally report somewhere. Yeah, or they're hoping that oh, somebody's running back got hurt in right. training camp, and now they need like now they need me. I, I think there's a real chance that we have this great free agent class. And there's just not significant right. interest. And it leads to some weird deals where, I mean, hell, the Raiders might be able to look around and say, well, we can sign Tony Pollard for one year and $7 million. Right. We should do that, which that's fine. Because Josh won't take that. Yeah, that's probably fine at the end of the day. So I, running back market this offseason is going to be fascinating because those are big names. Those are hu- like You don't get those type of names at any other position right. hitting free agency all at the same time. Well, the Raiders – I mean, I think the most fascinating thing with the Raiders is the quarterback, but the second most fascinating thing is this. Yeah. What are they going to do at running back? Yeah. And to me, it's it's really fascinating, largely because I think it'll tell us, Telesco and Pierce, who is... Who's in charge. Yeah. Who's getting to make those legitimate right. decisions. Yeah, because, because the way Pierce has talked about Jacobs, he would do anything. Right. <laughs> right. He would give him a five-year deal fully yeah. guaranteed yeah. if he could. So that part of it's fascinating. So... I wouldn't be surprised if Jacobs is done as a Raider at this point. I also do think there is a chance that he ends up signing somewhere, maybe back here, on a really short, cheap deal or something like that because that's the reality of the position at this point. And you're going into a free agent class with four other guys that are really good or four other guys that teams could say are really good. I don't think Eckler is actually that good. I know I said that during the season. He He was not good. He was slow. Well, it was telling when he when they gave him permission to go out, and nobody yeah. nobody jumped at him. And then he, he had like a his, lot of teams not to jump at him. And then he had a terrible year. Yeah, he's legitimately slow. He's slower than offensive linemen this past season. Like his top speed was bad. It was like under twenty miles an hour. Guy can't run anymore. Get some highlights of that. Of him being slow. Yes. There's not many highlights of Jacobs. He had like a ten Eckler. week span, or excuse me, of Eckler. He had like a ten week span where he didn't have a play over like fifteen yards. It was something I can't I can't remember the exact numbers on that, but it was something crazy where it's like he just didn't have big plays for like two thirds of the season. Yeah, he had a rough year. Yeah, and I know I know there was an injury earlier in the year with Eckler at the very beginning, but he did not like there were not big plays for him. It was just anytime he got the ball, it was like All right, he might get four yards. Well, there's a guy then who would look probably at a one year short. Yeah. Oh, year. you can't Eckler's the one on that list. You can't give multi-year guarantee i mean you could give him two years at like five million each year that's whatever but you can't give him multi-years like barkley might be really good jacobs is younger pollard doesn't have a lot of um wear and tear because he's only been a starter for one season i know he played henry's more of a career guy henry's the one where you're like he might be the exception to the rule where he's and just a freak and even though he's played a lot and he's a little bit older you're like yeah we can still probably get three more years because he's just a tank Right. He's the one you might look and say, all right, he might be the exception to most running backs. But Eckler's far and away the worst one on that list. That's the one I, I would – like, in all honesty, if I'm the Raiders, I don't even know if I want to give him 
a one-year deal worth $5 million. Well, it's Telesco, so I don't think they're bringing him in. They're bringing in a bunch of other people from the Chargers. Yeah, a lot of scouts, a lot of uh, front office people. <laughs> but, like, Eckler's the one that it's like, I, I honest, like, Jacobs, one year, eight or nine million, absolutely. But Eckler, I genuinely would rather have a sixth-round running back on my roster mm-hmm. than Eckler. Like, genuinely. Because I don't think Eckler's any good, and there's zero upside for, oh, what happens in the next two or three years, where I draft a guy in the sixth round. He also might suck, but he also might be a really good, but, cheap running yeah, back. Yeah, you're for also four not years. paying him as much. Yeah, so. I wouldn't want Eckler. The other three, or other four, I think they're good running backs. Right. But you just don't pay running backs very much anymore. So, Jacobs, I'm going to say no. He's done as a Raider. You think he plays again for the Raiders? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think he plays again for He's the Raiders. Antonio Pierce. Uh, Antonio Pierce. Goes rogue, Antonio signs Pierce, him yes. to his own contract. Yes, without telling Telesco. <laughs> without telling Telesco. He and Mark Davis have a secret meeting yeah. out on the field at night, you know, where he's out there. It's interesting how much uh, input Mark Davis would have. Yeah. You know, well, how, many, how much input is Mark Davis going to have on all this quarterback situation and the running back situation? Or is it going to be like he's said in the past, these guys run the team? I don't know. I, I, I still think he think, likes Josh Jacobs a I lot, I still too. think they – uh, heed his counsel in terms of what he believes. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think, and you know, if they ask him, he'll give his opinion. He should have some input on the quarterback side of this because that sort of dictates your timeline of when you're going to be good or not. Right. Because if they just go a O'Connell and they draft Sam Hartman in round four or whatever, what are you doing? So, and, you know, Mark Davis would be like, all right, what are we doing here? But if they trade up for one, then it's like, all right, we're go time now. I think Mark Davis has to have at least some input on the quarterback. The running back part of it, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know it's like a popular player, but as far as how good the team will be, it's mostly irrelevant whether they keep Jacobs or not. So that one is one that you should probably be able to do without Mark Davis having to say something. But quarterback is, that's the franchise. So. The owner should, at the very least, know what What's his GM on? and coach what, are thinking. Yeah, what are they thinking? Yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll get into some UNLV basketball as they take on Wyoming tonight. Luis Rodriguez, Luis at the elbow. Luis left side to Keelan Boone, a three for Keelan. Is good over Clifford. Keelan Boone with two big threes, and the Rebels back out in front by three, 52-49. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. UNLV plays Wyoming tonight on the road, 6 o'clock start. UNLV already beat Wyoming this year, 62-48. It is the only time I can remember Ed in the media seating, getting up, turning around to me, and telling me that he thought the other team was terrible. They looked awful that <laughs> night. Man, they looked awful that night, didn't they? They scored 48 points. They were yes. terrible that night. They were bad. Um, early, or last week we talked about Bart Torvik's game score, how it's a 0-100 to 100 sort of uh, how well did you play in that game. Wyoming's game score against UNLV got a 16. Which, by the way, Surprise, was that good? is not their worst score of the season either. They have three games worse than that on the year. Uh, it was Wyoming's worst offensive game of the season. Their points per possession was 0.82, which is hilariously bad. Now, UNLV was below average on their points per possession. They were below one as well. UNLV didn't exactly play a great offensive game. Uh, but yeah, Wyoming was not very good. But here's what's interesting. Wyoming at home this year. 
it's, it's a completely different team. Right. They are six and four at home. They're five and ten when they're on the road or at a neutral court. If you break it down to just top 100 opponents, which UNLV is top 100 by Ken Palm, Wyoming is two and three at home against top 100 teams. They beat Colorado State and Nevada. They're 0 and seven on the road against top 100 teams. And uh, Bart Torvik, which does efficiency rankings, when Wyoming is at home against the top 100 team, their efficiency ranking is 119th in the country. When they're on the road, it's 246th. Yeah, they're terrible. Right. So they go from terrible on the road against top 100 to respectable. Uh, average. Yeah, 119 is not good, but it's you, you get a, at least a decent team. So they're a completely different team. Now, Boise State just went to Laramie and won by 20 right. on Saturday. So you absolutely can still blow them out in Wyoming. But just because UNLV won by 14 here in Vegas, this is probably Doesn't the, mean anything. Yeah, Wyoming's probably the best example of the difference of a home and road team in the Mountain West this year. Mm-hmm. So... Completely different situation. But uh, Mike Grimala tweeted out that Rob Whaley's expected to play tonight. I was at practice yesterday. He's a full go. He's, full go. He was. Uh, he didn't st- sit out at all when I was there. I mean, you know, he was with the starters. Yeah. And when the starters came out, he came out. But, I mean, he looked fine. He talked afterwards, talked to the media afterwards. So we're expecting Rob Whaley, like nothing happened, 100% good to go, Rob Whaley? Looks like it. That's uh Spectacular news, given that I thought he might be done for the season when he left the court in their last game because he got helped off, went to the locker room, and never came back. That's in, I mean, that's extremely good news, uh, and also means UNLV won't have to test their depth quite as much right. the rest this game and the rest of the season if Rob Whaley if he stays healthy is actually back. Um, I'll, can I tell you what I think the the key here is? I think this ultimately this game comes down to. Does Wyoming make 34% of their three-pointers or not? I think that's all this is. If Wyoming makes 34% of their three-pointers or more, Wyoming wins this game. Um, So far this year, the national average is 33.8% from three, by the way. UNLV, when their opponent shoots the worst than that, is 11-3. and Not including the Carroll and uh, Bethesda games, just Division I opponents. When their opponents make more than that, UNLV is 3-7. and And the last 10, UNLV opponents have made 30.1% from three. So I think this simply comes down to, does Wyoming make threes? They do, Wyoming wins. If they don't, UNLV wins the game. All right, UNLV's laying five and a half. Is it that much? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. All right, that's more than I thought. Ken Palm had it at a five. Did it? Okay. That's that's a dicey bet there. That is. Given it's, it's in Wyoming, it's in Laramie, it's in the huge altitude. They're better at home. Yeah, that's – I don't know. I'd stay away from that. I'd stay away from that because I, cause I could see them possibly doing what Boise did. Yeah. I, the, either team wins by double digits, I will, won't be that shocked. Right? I Either team could win this game by double digits, and I'd say, yeah, okay. Like, Wyoming's better at home. They made some threes. They won by 12. Or – UNLV's rolling and Wyoming made 25% of their right. threes and UNLV yeah, wins by 12. 10. I would not be surprised either way. So, five and a half. I don't, yeah, know. I don't think I'd do that. it either. I'm, I, don't I'm, think I'd, I don't think I'd, I'd stay away from that. Yeah, I think you might just take Wyoming just because they're plus money at right. home or something like right. that. And I don't know. Will they lose back-to-back home games by double digits? Probably not. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think so, but they're not not that good of a team, so it's not like they're, oh, we're going to put an end to this bad play. They right. could just suck yeah. and be bad again. Here was an interesting thing that I looked at yesterday. Last 10 games, UNLV's defense has improved. 
Just the last 10, their defensive efficiency ranks 78th in the country. For the full season, it's 118th, right? So their defense has been better. But in the last 10 games, UNLV opponents are shooting better on two-pointers. They're turning the ball over less, and they're going to the free throw line more. Those are not good things for a right, defense. Right. There's two areas where UNLV's defense has been better these last 10 games. They've given up fewer offensive rebounds. The offensive rebound rate has gone from 32% to 27%. So they're giving up about two or three less uh, second-chance opportunities per game. And UNLV opponents are making fewer threes. Fewer three-pointers. Um, which is goes back to my reasoning as to does Wyoming make threes in this game? Because if they do, I think they win. Um, Wyoming, though, they basically have three guys to shoot threes, and that's it. Like they don't have like bench guys. They don't have big guy. They they got three guys. Sam Griffin and Aquellacott are thirty seven percent, and they both shoot over five a game, so they're good. And then Brendan Winslow takes five a game and makes thirty four percent, so he's basically an average shooter. But that's it. It's just those three guys that shoot. So that should, in theory, make it easier for UNLV to, to defend. defend because as long as long as you know, like the scouting report, if it's one of those three guys, right. don't be aggressive. Because I know Kruger mentioned yesterday. Uh, making sure Wyoming doesn't hit a bunch of threes. Right. As long as if if it's not one of those three guys, they should be more than happy to help off the perimeter, more than happy to clog the paint. But don't leave those three. So if they know the scouting report as to who they're guarding in the moment, I think defensively they'll they'll have a good good night and win this one. Well, the scout team was in gold jerseys yesterday, so they're oh they busted out the yellow. Oh, yeah. They busted for, out the like, yellow for Wyoming? Wyoming. Yeah, sure. Oh, look at that! Absolutely, that athletic budget going through sure. the roof. Absolutely, they, gotta they, have the, they busted it out. Gotta have the reversible jerseys for every team in the yes. conference. I I think they might. Might as well get one with a Wyoming logo on it, right? I think they might. They busted oh, out the good. yellow yesterday. I like that. That's good. That's attention to detail. What if Wyoming comes out in brown though? Well, white white with brown trim. Yeah, then they're going to be like, oh, then practice for yellow. Exactly. Oh, God, I got confused. All the seats are yellow. <laughs> now I'm disoriented. It wouldn't be very good. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Good morning, David. Hey, David. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. fantastic today. Um, I need your help on uh, telling me who to blame because okay. Blake Snell and Matt Chapman and Jordan Montgomery, they're all unsigned in free agency in baseball. Are, are owners cheap or is Scott Boris driving too hard of a deal? I feel like owners are too mad at Scott Boris. <laughs> sort of this, this is like the splitting the difference answer there. I mean, somebody who uh, is going into a season in which um, probably Jose Quintana is our, my favorite team's opening day starter. I've been thinking a lot about Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Their strong points, their weak points. But uh, I don't understand. I understand the arguments against throwing $250 million at Blake Stell going forward indefinitely, right? And, like, Montgomery is sort of the same deal. There's these little sort of arguments that could be made against them as a big cornerstone free agent. The fact that I haven't seen, like, anybody linked to Matt Chapman at all is bizarre to me. And then the idea that we're this close, I mean, there's games happening. You know, there are early games. There's a lot of guys with, like, number 107 on the back of their jersey and no name. But it is baffling to me that, that it's been as quiet as it is. And I want to believe that, you know, somebody, some team is going to either get embarrassed or get desperate and make a move. But it wasn't really that long ago that, if you remember, it was, I think it was like 2019, that the season started with Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel unsigned. Like, 
it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that these guys make it to the start of the year without any contract. And that, I understand that owners don't like Scott Boris. He's probably an annoying guy to deal with. You know, for people like you and me, it's like all we have to do is deal with at the beginning of the winter meetings when he does those weird, like, rhyming poems about everybody. (laughs) He doesn't annoy me. (laughs) Like, I don't have to pay him any money. But at this point, it's like if you're actively making the product look chintzy and be worse because you don't want to sit down in a room and talk numbers with this guy, then, like, that's kind of embarrassing for the sport, I think. Is it something that's going to continue on in the future other than Otani's and, and, and Soto's and people like that? I feel like it's been sort of trending in this direction. Right? There's like this, the top of the market guys get their contracts. They don't always get them when they think they're going to get them. And sometimes you remember like Carlos Correa got way deep into the winter before he got, you know, the, the short contracts that he's gotten with the twins. But yeah, there's, there's sort of a, a weird hollowing out of the middle this is a strange one because these guys are the top of the market in a not that great free agent class. That like beyond Yamamoto and Otani, that there really wasn't anybody that like I don't want to take anything away from Blake Snell. Like he's won a Cy Young, uh, as you know, I have not. He's, he's a good pitcher, <laughs> but it's not the sort of thing where like it's like a layup. The way that like this wasn't going to happen to Garrett Cole, right? But. I don't understand exactly like like where it goes from here because at some point if your team is not interested in having better players on it then it's just not a serious enterprise I think fans pick up on that and I think there's this tendency among owners to think that you know you're going to get your money no matter what because you've got your TV contracts and you know what else are you going to do on a Tuesday night in August in Pittsburgh and I think people kind of are answering that question by not watching and not going to games and they're maybe a little cockier about how foolproof their business is than they should be. Uh, so the Mets are bad this year? Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, they are going to be – I was talking to friends about this last night. It's very liberating to talk to people in an, in real-life space about this. Like, I have my DM with, like, 100 mentally ill Mets fans in it, and everybody's always getting upset about, like, what if they don't give Ben Gamble a real shot to make the roster or anything? And that's all <laughs> easy to type into a text box. If you find yourself saying Ben Gamble's name out loud repeatedly in a bar, you get self-conscious. Like, you know you're doing something wrong. And in this case, it was, you know, this is uh, one friend who's been as lifelong a Mets fan as me, and then another one who lives in Queens, like a mile from the stadium. He's got a 10-year-old kid that loves going to games, so they just he's, like, sort of backed into it and is constantly coming to us being like, so what are we, what are we doing here? What's happening? Cause like my son's getting upset and I'm getting mad about having to answer these questions. I think they're kind of for all the, you know, sort of money that got spent and that brief, you know, they had the hundred win season. I think they're kind of back where they were when the Wilpons owned the team that like they could win 80 games. They could win 87 games. They could probably win 75 games. They're not, really a contender or anything like that, but there's any number of ways that things could go. It's just wholly dependent on how lucky and how healthy they are within this very narrow band. But there's not a chance that, like, everything goes right and they're better than the Braves. There's a 0% chance of that. And for the year that they won 102 games, the Braves also won 102 games. They won a tie break and, you know, <laughs> won the World Series and the Mets washed out of the playoffs in the first round. But there's can sort of see a sustainable future for them. I could also see a 
there's a chance that like by the time we get to August, I'm just like watching movies and not bothering with Mets games. And you know that'll be a self care choice at the time. <laughs> right now, I'm trying to be excited about it. But yeah, like Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, and Sean Manea to start your season is not 100 percent what you sign up for. Are you telling me that you've got to write one of your friends a book that says how to talk to your kids about Jose Quintana starting on opening day? It kind of feels like one of those, like it should be like a PSA, one of those like the more you know things where it's like if your son asks you about Luis Severino's ERA last year, just tell him to shut up. <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> like Plenty of ERAs start with a six. It's natural. But there's, <laughs> there is something about it that feels... Uh, it's weird. I, like I can't necessarily give tips on like how to have a healthier functional relationship with the Mets. Like no one can, but I definitely can't. But yeah, it is kind of a, a weird one. Uh, I've had to, this is the same friend that they were recently um, staying over at a friend's place in a foreign country and had to like do an emergency cleaning of those people's pet turtle tank because it smelled so bad at like two in the morning. They were like, "We can't sleep. We can't be here while it's like this." So I was texting them with that. I've given them a lot of advice on the the bad and having it twenty five years. It's nice to be able to share them with people. I'm sure that this guy would love to stop having to ask. Okay, why do you know how to clean a turtle tank? What are you talking about? Oh, I didn't tell you. Uh, you don't know that about my pets. I oh, had a turtle is a yeah. pet. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. We have oh, yeah. talked about the turtle. I forgot. I, right, yeah. I'm sorry, yes. David. I forgot about the turtle. I'm, I apologize. No, that's fair. Yeah. No, it's it's all right, and I I appreciate the apology. That means a lot. Uh, the, <laughs> there's there's no reason why anyone should know, let alone everybody that's listening to this. That I have a turtle as a pet, but um, yeah, if you get one, you're stuck with it for like sixty years. So you will definitely learn how to <laughs> clean the tank. He's not going away. No, he's not. He's going to basically live exactly as long as me, which is totally nice to think about. I love thinking about it. Has your turtle ever tried to escape? Yes, he has. So I've gotten better at it. Uh, but this was when I used to have to clean the tank, I would put him in another smaller tank and just like sort of let him hang out in there. And he, there were levered off the other one, got out of the tank, slid down a pillow as far as I could tell onto the floor and then went under the radiator. And I couldn't find him for, it wasn't that long, you know, like five or 10 minutes. They're not very fast and they're not, very smart. So there's no there's nowhere for him to have gone. But I did finally find him under the radiator and he had like dust bunnies on him and he looked really upset and I let him sit there for a minute to like think about what he'd done. But I was very glad that I, I was able to locate him and they have not escaped since. I think at this point his whole day is basically not really that different than me. Like sometimes he gets on a rock, sometimes he gets in the water, sometimes he's like that's the only sound he knows how to make. And, you know, like, it's not really that different than what I do on the average workday. You put it in timeout. Yeah, I did. I, well, I thought it was a teachable moment. That was before I realized <laughs> that his brain was the size of, like, a, just a, a grain of <laughs> barley. You know, like, there's nothing going on in there. You can't teach him anything. So, yeah, I let him be for a minute. How, uh, how much do turtles eat? Uh, it depends. Like, it, I think if I wanted to really beef him up... I could, uh, I mean, they'll basically eat as much food as you put in there, because, again, they're they're incredibly stupid. So <laughs> I give them a little bit of, like, food in the morning, like some sticks and some at night. It's like, you know, gross, compressed shrimp byproducts you get at the pet store. And then I give them some leaves. Like, if we're having, uh, like, 
kale or collards or something with dinner, or if we're making a salad or whatever, I'll give him some leaf there, and he'll eat it. But I don't know necessarily that he likes it. Like, he'll also eat, like, just stuff that's floating around in the tank. You know? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and in the past, I had, this is like late in the call for me to introduce such a gross concept. When I had, uh, when I first got him, I put, like, gravel in the bottom of the tank, because I had fish as a kid, so I thought that's what you did. And I remember a guy telling me once, like, you can't do that. Like, it's not good for them. So next time I cleaned the tank, I took the gravel out. And then this was years later. The turtle started um, just horking up little bits of gravel that it had eaten, like, 10 years earlier. Oh. and had apparently just been sitting in its stomach for years. I think it's all gone, but I took him to the vet, and they, like, did an X-ray. Got on the bus with my damn turtle like an idiot. <laughs> took it across town, <laughs> went to the vet, and they were like, "Yeah, there's no more gravel in there, uh, but like, don't put any more in there because he'll eat it. Like, he'll eat whatever you do, uh, whatever you give him a chance to eat." So, yeah, I learned a valuable lesson that day. I guess one of us has to be able to learn something. Uh, <laughs> yes, the answer is they, they will. Eat, how much they will eat? The answer to that question is yes. Um, all right. Before we let you go, turtle's name is. Marvin. 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 Marvin the turtle. Yeah, Marvin. Right. Yeah, he's all right. I'll put him on next time. I mean, Fantastic. he doesn't say very much, but I think, you know, it's nice. I'm happy to introduce you always. Fantastic. He's David Roth with a pet turtle named Marvin from Defector. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. So, David Roth from Defector with a pet turtle. Um, you ever had a weird pet besides the birds that you uh, black out at night so they shut up? We have birds. Um, I'm trying to think back. No. Dogs. Yeah. She's been a dog person. We had chameleons at one point when I was, I don't know, six or I mean, something like that. We had fish like and hamsters and stuff. Yeah, I never had hamsters. My mom did have a fish tank at one point. She still has a fish tank because why wouldn't she? Yeah, but exactly. Why we had she? we had dogs and cats, and then like my junior or senior high school, she was like, how about chickens? And now <laughs> she's gone off the deep end. But we didn't have most of those animals when I was growing up. Did you ever have a turtle, Danny? I did not. My fiance did though. Really? Yeah. And, and no, at no the house longer? with you or before she met? No, you? when she was a kid, when she was like a teenager, it ran away. That's it why I asked. Ran, the ran. They barely can move. Apparently, it ran away. It ran away, or the parents got tired of taking care of a turtle and told no, her it she, ran away. She let it into the backyard so that it could sunbathe. Her words, and. She went out to get it, and it was gone, and oh, she couldn't that, find it anywhere. Poor turtle died. Oh, it's still there somewhere. No, the bird got it. Something got that turtle. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't run away. It's a turtle. Come on now. Yeah. Not moving that fast. All right, we got tickets to give away. Rugby is coming to Las Vegas, and we got a four-pack of tickets. March 2nd at Allegiant Stadium for the first time ever, the National Rugby League will kick off its season on American soil. At Allegiant Stadium, Game starts at 5.30. First game starts at 5.30, and we've got a four-pack of tickets for you. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number if you want to go to the National Rugby League beginning their season here in the United States. Call in now, 702-364-1100. A four-pack of tickets. Caller number seven at 702-364-1100. You're listening to The Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas. We are giving away $2,024 a day here at Lotus, and all you got to do to get entered to win is send us a text message. There's a new code word every day. Today's word is Frontier, F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R. Danny doesn't have any confidence that you guys can text in the word Frontier, but I do. Frontier, text that word to 702 
364-1100. You do that, that's all you got to do, and you're entered to win $2,024 as we try to give that away every single day. Today's word is frontier. Text frontier to 702-364-1100. On our text line, Mark texted in, I also had a turtle that dug out and ran away. See, it seems to be a thing. What's going on with these turtles and them getting away from you? Now, Mark's scenario sounds like the turtle dug its way out of some enclosure and was trying to escape, to which I could understand, okay, you don't check on the turtle for a couple of hours. It dug out, and all of a sudden, it's gone. Your fiance's situation, she just put it outside. Well, she put it outside to sunbathe while she was cleaning the tank out. I don't know how long it was. It could have been an hour. It could have been three hours. I don't know. But she went to go find it, and it wasn't in the backyard. Do we need to start doing uh, PSAs to microchip your turtles? Don't so we? If, don't so we people find them? A, don't we run a commercial? It's a PSA about turtles. That is to not let your is it turtles or tortoise? I can't remember. Not to let them breed. Oh, okay. It's one of the funniest PSAs I've ever heard, because it starts as one is the lonely is one is not the loneliest number for turtles. <laughs> Because you're not, you're like not supposed to have two turtles or something, or maybe it's tortoise. I can't remember, because there's apparently an out of control breeding situation with the tortoises here in Vegas. Love the desert tortoises, I guess. And people go, they they end up with baby turtles or tortoises, and they go dump them. I don't know what's going on. I've never seen a turtle or a tortoise here. I have a friend who has really? a a. I have a friend who has a tortoise, like a big tortoise. Like we're talking, I don't know, that thing's got to be three feet across. Whoa. Like big tortoise that lives in their backyard and comes inside sometimes too. But yeah, big tortoise. That's I Things the size of a coffee table. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If If you're laying on the couch, you could absolutely prop your legs up on it and watch TV if it was chilling there. Oh, thing's huge. But I haven't seen one in the wild. I mean, desert tortoises, are, aren't they pretty common here? I mean, it would, the name would imply that they right. are, but I don't feel like I've seen one anywhere. No, growing up on the East Coast, I saw them all the time, but I've never seen one out here. Have you seen any of, Have you seen the uh, Boulder City burrows? I've seen the Beatty burrows. Okay, all right. They welcome you when you pull into town. Yeah. Can you also like rope them like you're in the rodeo or something? Oh. Is this where the rodeo <laughs> started? Sure. Is this who Barry Odom's going to be riding? You get the donkeys on the side Is of the he road. Be riding this instead of a bull. Might, that'd be funny if he was riding. He goes like, "Yeah, hey, we got this one from Beatty. Exactly. Hop on Barry, <laughs> live bull Barry Odom. That's going to be. Well, we mentioned that yesterday, but March second at the South Point, Barry Odom riding a live bull. Yeah. All right, we'll see. I'm curious to see how that is, but uh, maybe the the harder task for Barry Odom is keeping a turtle. From running away, right? Apparently, that's extremely difficult to do. Apparently, I'm. Uh, I reached out to Mark. Possibly going to have Barry on later this week. Talk about his. Oh Jesus! His rodeo days. Mark, Mark's the guy that texted in about the turtle. I was like, you reached out to the guy who said his turtle yep. ran away. Yep. Mark is a different Mark. Is who is in charge of getting Barry Odom? Interviews. Yes. So <laughs> exactly. for the listeners that might be confused, like <laughs> I was, that's what's happening there. Uh, but yeah, don't have a turtle. They might run away. Tom recommends putting an air tag on your turtle. That's you got to do something. These things are a flight risk now. Apparently, yeah, I never knew. Off. Like they move, move as slow as molasses, but apparently yeah. they could still run away. You got to get them microchipped like dogs. 
Can they do that? I don't think they could. They'd have to break the shell open. Yeah, put it in its yeah. little leg. Little little leg or his little tummy? Something like that? I don't know. I don't know anything about turtles. <laughs> they run away. I know that. Obviously, They're, according to David, they eat anything you put in their that in too their, in their uh, tank, and the gravel stays in its stomach for a decade. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that's like is that that's like worse than people say. Oh, the gum will sit in your stomach for seven years. Right? Do they have turtle things where it's like, don't eat the gravel; it's going <laughs> to stay in your stomach for ten years, little turtle. It's brutal over there. I did see. Oh, I saw a TikTok the other day. Somebody who had a pet turtle. Turtle is on the bed, watching a laptop screen. And watching something called Turtle TV. And it's just like underwater. Uh, uh, all turtles. You see turtles and other stuff. But then Turtle TV showed a shark. Yes, I saw that video. And the turtle got scared and like backed its head into its shell when the shark popped up, on the, shark popped on, the up on the laptop. The so he knows what it is. Yeah, I'm like, who's... Okay, first off, if you're curating Turtle TV, what are you putting a shark on there for? Yeah. What's this, horror movies for turtles? <laughs> Does your dog watch TV? No. No. Could care less. Really? Yeah. Our bulldog does, and if a dog comes on, he goes crazy. Loses its mind? Loses its mind. So Rory will watch the TV even yes. when it's not a dog. Yes, and then and then when it's a dog or any other animal, he'll jump down, go right to the TV, and bark <laughs> his head off. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts.